What's up, guys? It is Tuesday now, which means another day ticked off the list for the last week of the WGT closest to the whole challenge. If you're new, you still haven't entered in it, which I don't think there's that many of you left. But just in case, head to FreeWGT.com to download the game. It's called World Golf Tour, and it's one of the best golf apps ever out there and this is your last chance to enter to win not only the weekly prize but the grand prize for the drawings out of this game once you have the game downloaded go to closest to the whole challenge this time we are playing the eighth hole on chambers bay try to knock it in the hole this one's a little bit different than other ones because it's a putt but it's a quite difficult putt if you knock it in the hole you could potentially be the winner for the week to get a free dnvr shirt or gift card and you'll be entered into the grand prize drawing with everyone else who plays where you can win tickets to an avs game or a jersey of your choosing so get on it get in there as fast as you can Get on this last chance to win an awesome prize. FreeWGT.com, closest to the whole challenge to play. Take a screenshot after you've played that eighth hole. Send it in to us at info at thednvr.com. And one minor change for this week, we are closing everything on Friday. So you got to do it during the week. You can't get in over the weekend for this final draw. All right, that's all I got. Let's jump into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their Colorado locations and use their express checkout to be in and out in minutes. Or you can check out online and reserve products for pickup and use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. The Avalanche just lost to the St. Louis Blues 5-2 as we're recording. Y'all are hearing this the following morning. AJ, it was a bit of an up-and-down game, I would say. There were moments where I felt like the Avs were the better team. In fact, extended periods of the game even. But at the end of the day, they just could not hang. Yeah, the it felt like each team took their shots in the first two periods. Yeah. And then when the second period ended the way that it did, um, that just set up for St. Louis to do what St. Louis does best, which is like a big old snake just wrap themselves around you and squeeze the life out of you really slowly. And that's exactly what the third period was. Slow and painful. And it wasn't pretty. I I do think the Avs kind of got in their own heads a little bit for the first time this maybe this whole year the abs felt mentally weak at the end of that second period and through the third period and that was a little bit disappointing for me sure i i just think that they just they just got smoked man like this this was discouraging honestly for me um they've been playing so well against good teams and then this felt like the this felt like a better version of the first game in St. Louis where they punched back but the self-inflicted wounds they just were not able to overcome and St. Louis just doesn't really do that to themselves and so when a team's not going to help you beat them you have to do it and the avs played a big role in helping St. Louis to get there you know, a 2-1 game going into the third period with the Avs leading. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if they hold it. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But a totally, I mean, this is the stuff with Kadri that frustrates you, right? Yeah. Is that there's always the give and take. And 
He's been a net positive, but on this one, it hurt. Um, yes, obviously, Kadri taking the penalty hurt, and and it was very bad for the team. But at the same time, even if you only give up one, you get out of that period 2-2 and you have an even playing field heading into the third. That's not terrible, right? That's a... You're feeling a little bit better as the abs in that situation. And so on top of Kadri hurting the team, then the PK came up short as well. And that's where that's where I think everything just came off the rails for the abs. When, when the PK came up short two times in 36 seconds... They came out in the third period, and they looked terrified to hold onto the puck. They were just flailing at the thing. A hundred percent. I mean, just a just shrank from the moment. Yep. And you know, this is these are part of the growing pains, right? You don't just show up and have that swagger. You have to learn. You know, I mean, the one of the like one of hockey's like favorite lore stories, right, is the Islanders winning their fourth cup in a row. And the the Oilers walking by the locker room and seeing what it took, the physical toll that it took for those guys to get there and understanding how far you have to go and how much you have to give in order to become a Stanley Cup champion. Yep. And, you know, you don't just show up and have that happen. You don't make a couple of nice offseason moves and go from a plucky eight seed to, all right, we here, we dominate. Now we take over and we go do the thing. You've got to get punched in the face a couple of times. And you have to you got you have to be able to take the hits and not to sound like Rocky, but keep moving forward. You have to be able to take the hit and keep moving forward. And that's that's what that's what they just did. All right. Now they've been punched. You know, they they staggered pretty badly after the last one. You know, where they they went 1-4-1 and in their next six games after that St. Louis loss. Okay, let's see a better response this time around. Yeah. A better response this time around, and then on January 2nd, the Blues come to Denver. They have another opportunity here, because right now, this is kind of their white whale. This is like the one thing. They've beaten basically all the other top teams. They've gone through all the other, uh, you know, houses of horror that they've had over the years. They've, they've handled teams or at least traded with teams pretty evenly that you think are going to be in their way, except St. Louis. St. Louis is the only one where, you know, they're the one moment you feel good about against the Blues in the last few years was game 82. I would say I think the Blues are January's problem. As you alluded to, the way this game mm-hmm. played out, their response in the upcoming games becomes that much more important for them now about getting past this loss and being the team that they were on the eight-game point streak that they were on coming into it. And that's where they can start to show improvement. It might not be the race to the top where they smash the Blues and look like the best team in the league, but the reality is no team goes that way. That It's not a linear path to becoming the team to beat. Right. That's a great, I mean, it's not, it's it, this is not a straight line. Yep. It is. It does feel like a bit of a setback. It probably is a bit of a setback, but that's to be expected to a certain extent with a team like this. I will say, I do think the Avs dearly missed Kale McCarr in this game. Not going to use it as an excuse because the St. Louis Blues didn't have Tarasenko and they still scored five goals. So there are ways to overcome that. But especially in that third period where the breakouts and puck management just completely fell apart, that's exactly what Kale McCart does for you. Yeah, 100%. And, and not even just moving pucks, but skating them out physically. Yeah. You know, not not even just passing it out and trying to find a teammate or whatever, but creating that pressure himself where – Whatever guy that was forechecking him is now in the dust and him skating through the neutral zone is creating a different problem. So, you know, that this was a great example. This game right here was a very, very good example of exactly just how valuable Cam McCarr already is to what Colorado wants to do. You have a special player that elevates that aspect of your team. You know, the abs, the abs with this defense without Cam McCarr, and with Callie Rosen and Mark Barbario is probably a middle of the central division finishing team. But with Kale McCarr and with Eric Johnson, I think that you're talking about an upper echelon team. 
and it will be interesting to see what those guys bring uh, if they're healthy enough for the January 2nd game against St. Louis. I sure hope they are, man. I'm tired of this injury stuff. Yeah, it, I mean, honestly, it would be nice to just watch these guys play uh, and and be healthy for even yeah. even like a whole week. Right, it would be nice. It takes so much. Even to, in tonight's game, I mean, Gerard is okay, but he took a puck to the face and was bleeding out of his nose. It's just tough right now for the Avs. Yeah, and you know, tonight sucked, and in some ways, it was kind of predictable. Like you didn't have, I didn't have a great feeling about it going in, but I wanted to see how they would do. I wanted to see how they'd respond. And I thought they took a first period that was very classic abs blues and they responded very well in the second period and then blew both of their legs off in the final three minutes of the period. Yeah, pretty much that definitely targeted their own feet heavily in those final couple of minutes and there was no recovery from there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's self-inflicted wounds, and then there was that. Yeah, you can't write it up any worse, basically. <laughs> I will say uh, that's one of those situations where I'd like to see Jared Bender use a timeout. Just to settle the boys a bit? Yeah, after the first after the first goal against, it's 2-2. Okay, they've got a minute and 12 to go. Call a timeout, bring them over, and just, okay, we've got 30 seconds. Let's talk about this. Let's reset. Let's just get out of this period. Let's value this minute or whatever that was minute. And I think it was a minute 12. Uh, let's value this and, and say, Hey, it's okay. Great. Yeah. And I, I would like to see him be less conservative with the timeout because that was a game where 36 seconds cost them, arguably cost them the game and things, things even maybe even before the four minute penalty, because things had just gotten, they'd been very heated uh, with with the Rantanen and McKinnon stuff, and yep. uh, Kadri took a penalty, and everything just sort of happened very, very quickly. And maybe that's where taking a timeout right before the start of the four minute PK is, and and just say, okay, let's calm down. Let's let's you know, let's go over this. Everybody knows their jobs. You guys know what you're doing. Take a deep breath. You guys, you guys, we work on this every single day. You've got this. Yeah. It, you know, the regular thing to do with the timeout in hockey is to save it for the end of the game for an icing situation usually, but I tend to lean more towards you and I would say that if you've put yourself in a situation where you have to call an icing, a timeout for an icing late in the game, there's been a screw up earlier down the line where perhaps you should have used your timeout in the first place to get them playing the way you need them to. Yeah, and I mean, if if that's what you're... If that's what you're afraid to lose, give me a break. Right. That's just not that big of an impact. And like right now, it's easy. Like uh, talking about timeout usage is super hindsighty. And of it's course. Ve- it's very easy to be like, well, maybe this would have helped after you guys totally lost control. Like I, under- I understand that, that it's, it's very hindsighty to be talking about this. But it's one of those things where I think Bednar still has some some room to develop as a coach where he's very conservative with that timeout. Got to trust his gut with it a little bit more, maybe. Well, and and I don't know what his gut is. That's true. You know, like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, it's how many times do they finish games and he walks out of there with it in his back pocket. Just unused. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, look, like this is, this is a 30 second conversation that you, can have with your guys. You don't even have to say anything. You know, you can you can call a timeout and have Landis Cog talk to everybody if you want. Whatever you want to use it for. But this is a tool that they provide for you to do something with. And nothing's happening with this thing. This this thing that this that they that they are given every game. There's no positive use of it. And it's just as much to cool the other team down too, right? Even if you're not saying anything on your bench, it's okay. Let them sit there for 30 seconds and they can't just keep rolling. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just like, look, dude, like you've got to understand that moment a little bit. And I understand that he continues to coach in a, I'm going to trust my guys to figure it out. I've got to trust my guys to play through it. I've got to trust my, my guys to whatever. 
you know, to be cool. And that's that's all of the ups and downs and all of the roller coastery things that we've seen over the last few years. All of that is has led to the team calming down and all of it has worked. But at the same time, like there are moments where you can just help them out. Like you don't, you, this is one of the few ways in which a coach can have an impact on a game like that. Have, have an actual, like, Hey, I'm stopping play for 30 seconds just to say, Hey, let's take a deep breath here. Maybe, maybe don't do it before the four minute PK. That's probably too reactionary on my part, but certainly after the first goal against your guys are scrambling around. Your system is completely broken. It doesn't look good. Nobody, nobody's in position to do anything. They win the, you know, the, the face-off happens. They go right down the ice and they do it again. And it's like, dude. Yeah. It it did feel like, I think after that first power play goal, like the moment to use it. But I'm going to call a timeout right now on this podcast and end the first period there because it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery. And after a game like that, I need one with a little bit higher alcohol content. So we're going with the Hop Peak tonight. IPAs are usually not my favorite, but I, I just need it tonight after a, a, a tough loss like that one. Sometimes you just got to have a little bit of the hard stuff. I know it's not liquor, but let me be with this. I'm a beer drinker, all right? I don't drink the hard liquor. But Breckenridge Brewery has been the Colorado beer since 1990. It was established here in Breckenridge back then. And now they're all over the nation, whether it's their Hot Peak, their Vanilla Porter, their Oatmeal Stout, or a dozen other ones that are out there for you to get. And they will also be at our next watch party, which is coming up, I guess, when you're listening to this. It will be tomorrow. And for this one, it's at the sports column. Be sure to RSVP to the event on the DNBR.com on the Breckenridge event calendar. If you RSVP, you will get the first round of Breck Christmas Ale on us. So free Breck beer, watching the abs. You got to get on that. Do it while you can. We will be back in a second. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. AJ, I want to ask you a question about the Blues here, and I want to kind of work through my thought process of how things went in this game in regards to it. Firstly, are the St. Louis Blues a dirty hockey team? Um... I don't uh I don't know man. I that's a that's a big grenade to lob at somebody. I think I think there's probably dirty players, but I don't know that there are really teams that I think are dirty. Okay. But that said, um you can't love how the Blues conducted themselves tonight. Definitely not. I I certainly didn't enjoy it. I would argue that yes, they are a dirty team. However, I don't think it should curtail, entail the bad sense that it has around the NHL to a certain extent because they are dirty in ways that help them win hockey games. I don't think for the most part that they're dirty in a sense of trying to hurt opponents and things like that. Mm-hmm. They... they take penalties when the refs aren't looking. They take advantages in games. I think they very quickly realized in this game against the Avalanche that these refs were not calling holding penalties. They were not calling any penalties that you take with your hands. And so they just started doing them and getting away with it. And I think that's something that comes with experience a little bit. The best teams in the league understand what they can get away with. And that's something that the abs just, they don't have that. Not yet. Not yet. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know. The f- <clears throat> I thought it was pretty amazing that uh, Nathan McKinnon, while carrying the puck, could get openly mugged by four different guys, and that was deemed t- totally cool. Uh, and that Alex Petrangelo can make a big run at Miko Rantanen and blatantly knee-on-knee him. And that was totally cool. And then in the ensuing little fracas afterwards, Nathan McKinnon could get punched in the face, and that's totally cool. Uh, and then Nazem Kadri hits a guy in the face with his stick while he's falling down. And I understand the rules. They have to call that. That's not like a judgment call. 
but boy, if they had had better judgment in the moments leading up to that, that never happens. You're probably right that it doesn't happen, but I have to give the refs some credit, and I think they did a decent job of calling things relatively consistently. When it came to the, the holding penalties, when it came to the physical hits, they were not calling them in that game. And and the blues took advantage of it, probably to the point of it being a touch egregious with that Petrangelo hit and that whole situation playing out, but they knew what they could get away with, with that. And then the refs were calling stick penalties throughout the game for the most part. So that's what the abs ended up taking with the cadre high stick. And had cadre punched him in the face, he probably would have gotten away with it, but that's not what he did. So, yeah, it's a bit of a skill to understand what you can do as a player and what you cannot when it comes to certain refs. And yeah, in a perfect world, every single game would be ref the same way by robots, but that's just not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, so. fair enough. <laughs> we're not we're not quite at uh, robo ump stage just yet. Yeah. And. I, I certainly agree that I think the refs could have done a much better job controlling the play, setting what was okay and what wasn't. I hate the idea that it's just okay to mug players like McKinnon and Rantanen when they skate down into the offensive zone. But that's the way the game was getting called. And the Avs defensemen are fully capable of doing that to Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, and they just didn't. It's a, it's a skill game, and tonight... Uh that got partially suppressed uh, in due to the way that they called the game, because you call a game in a certain way and it encourages a team to continue to play it in a certain way. Yep. And that way definitely lean towards the way the blues like to play the game. Definitely, definitely favors them. And you know, this, it always sparks the, are the abs tough enough? Do the Avs have enough grit? Why don't the Avs, you know, go out and get guys that can that can respond? You know, why don't you get out? Why don't you go out and get get somebody so that when Alex Petrangelo runs Miko Ranton and that guy jumps off the bench and goes and chases him down and punches him in the face? And my response is, why do you want them on another PK? Yeah, because that's a. I mean, if he jumps off the bench, he's getting a twenty game suspension, and you're never seeing him again. <laughs> I mean, even if it's just his next shift, he hops off the bench, and then he like waits for Petrangelo to come off the bench. Petrangelo comes off the bench, he just socks him right in the face, and it's like okay, like that was very satisfying to watch, but that guy's gonna get penalties now, right? And that's. I mean, it circles back around, right? The Blues are getting away with what they're doing. You don't want the guy who everyone knows is the enforcer and, and rolls out there and he steps on the ice and every ref is just staring at him like, we know what you're going to do. Right. Like, it, it just, I don't, I don't think, I got a lot of, tonight I got a lot of, oh, the abs, the abs are scared to play St. Louis. And I don't know how much I buy into that. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're scared to play the team. I think I don't know how you would know that. That's true, unless you're in the locker room. But and like and like in the locker room, not like not like media access, but like part of the locker room. And and even then, it's the being scared or not shouldn't really be relevant, right? It's it's a matter of finding a way to play the game effectively, and, and right now the Avs struggle to do that. Yeah. I, I'm just not... Every team out there has a kryptonite. Like, it's just how it is. You build the team that you want to build. You build a team around an identity and around a style, and you go for it. You know, you hope for the best at that point. There's no major tweaking your this current roster for the St. Louis Blues. There just isn't. We saw, and I use this example as a lot because a lot because we saw an organization do exactly this thing, and it blew up so badly in their face that they haven't made the postseason since. But we saw this with the Connor McDavid Edmonton Oilers. 
Yep. They got to the second round and they said, okay, well, we got out gridded, out muscled, out out manned. They out hockey manned us. And so we have to go out and we have to get men. We have to go out and we have to get tough dudes who are going to play physical and they're going to be gritty and they're going to be rough and tumble and miserable to play against. And they're going to open up all this magical space for Connor McDavid to do all this work. And nobody is ever going to hit him again in his entire career. And none of that ended up being true. And they built a bad hockey team around the world's best player. Instead, they ended up going out and getting a guy that not even Connor McDavid could make score. Right. And it's, I don't think that there is any antidote to this. I don't think that there's, I think that this version of the blues is always going to give this version of the avalanche trouble. The question is, is it the kind of trouble that prevents the abs from winning Stanley cup? I think it's a valid question. And I think there's a little bit of a light at the end of the darkness there. When it comes to this game, when you look at that second period, the abs played their way, they enforced the way they wanted to play this game for about 17 minutes of hockey, which is less than you'd like to see, but this wasn't the complete rundown shutdown that the blues put on them earlier in the year. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the big difference was we saw a team with legs tonight and that game earlier in the season, they didn't have any legs at all. Yeah. And it looked like it. And by the end of it, it was just like, yeah, these dudes are spent. This, yep. They are just done for. We saw a team with legs tonight and that's why the second period happened. And that, and the second period was awfully encouraging because the abs dominated long stretches of that period. And by long stretches, I mean like, what was it like the first 16 minutes? Yeah, it was just the shots were 13 to two at that point, I think. And they'd outscored them two to one. Yep. So you, you have to be encouraged by that. It's a step in the right direction. Now it's about, okay, how do they do that for 30 minutes a game against the Blues? How do they do that for 40? And like you said, they since they play them so recently, or I guess since they will play them again very soon, it will be another test. It will be a chance to say, have they learned a little bit more? Is there that next step to come? I think that back-to-back against Dallas next week as well will be a nice little test because they've struggled in very similar ways against that team. Mm -hmm. The growth is still happening. As As a hockey team, even if you look like one of the best teams in the league, there's always room for growth. And there's significant room for this Avs team to grow. This is one of those places. And it's not a flip a switch. The abs are better than the, the blues. The abs are better than the stars. Now it's uh okay. Are they making progress? Yes. I think they are learning how to beat those teams because those teams represent problems for you. If you look at St. Louis, you look at Dallas, you look at Arizona, those teams have, they have their own teams out there that give them problems. 100%. And you know, for whatever reason, that's just how it always goes. It's not like St. Louis is like, the ultimate juggernaut and nobody can beat them. That's not the case at all. It's just that they happen to be in, they happen to be right in Colorado's way. Yep. And that's a great position for them to be in right now. As long as they continue to stay atop the division and ahead of them. And, you know, who knows what the rest of the season holds. We might look back at this and be like, wow, remember when, we wanted to cancel the season because they lost to them in the middle of December <laughs> with 50 games left. So, you know, and, and moving forward, Hey, opportunities to grow. There are, there are beatable teams ahead of them on the schedule. I talked about, okay, last time they lost to St. Louis, you know, injuries started to pile up and they went one, four and one after that in their next six. Well, their next six games at Chicago, at home against Carolina, at home against Chicago, at Vegas, at home against Minnesota, and then at Dallas. Perfect opportunity. Bounce back. Let's let's see what you were made of. Let's see how you handle what has to be a very disappointing night in, in December. And you're looking at that schedule, and we talked about this before. Four and two is a perfectly reasonable expectation through those games. You want both Chicago games, no matter what you want, both Chicago games. And then you definitely want the Minnesota game at at minimum three and three there. Yeah. 
and then wherever you get the other games, you know, they blew out Vegas in Vegas earlier this season. So I would imagine that Vegas is probably going to be a little pissed about that. Yeah, I, I was thinking in Vegas again, too. That one might be a ride, but yeah. And then Carolina at home on the second night of a back to back. I I don't really know how to feel about that game. You don't you know, you never really know what you're going to look like. That's that's the exact type of game that really, truly great teams. The Avs want to be a top three team in the league. You find a way to win that game. It is a home game, and I wrote this in my takeaways tonight, but I think it will be very interesting to see which goaltender they start. Yeah, on, um, on which part? Because the Chicago is it's an expected win. You can expect some offense to kind of get the job done for you. Right. If, and, and you want to, I think conventional wisdom is you would play Franco's in that game because you want your starter for what you perceive as the quote unquote harder game. Yeah. And if we are building towards a goaltender controversy here, then Grubauer playing against Chicago, I think is a minor upset. I wouldn't disagree with you there. I'm certainly nowhere near ready to to talk about that goaltender controversy, though. You don't think so? You don't no. you don't think Groovy was so terrible tonight? I don't think he was good, but I don't think he was throw it in the bin bad. I mean, I think tonight was so complicated. Tonight was a great example for me of why I struggled to evaluate a goaltender. Yeah, exactly. Like, everybody's going to talk about the wraparound. It's bad. He played it poorly. It was terrible. It was a bad read, bad play. It was bad by the defense, too. I mean, it was a unacceptable, lazy-ass cross-ice pass to begin with. What are you doing? But the you know the first goal, he doesn't even see the puck. I, I don't know how you fault a goaltender for just not tracking a puck because he looked in the wrong direction at the wrong second as he was trying to work around a screen like that. Uh, I, I go back and forth with it. Like part of a goaltender's job is tracking the puck, but also you left a passing lane from the f- near point to the far back door, 100% open with no one on the man. Like, yeah, like nobody there, dude. Like, whoa, uh, what is that? And then, the second goal is a great shot, and the third goal is just tic-tac-toe. You know, they, they just yeah. pass it around Grubauer. He, he's irrelevant. He doesn't even matter on that play. You gave up two goals on the power play where your defense wilted. You, you gave up a goal where you turned the puck over at your own blue line and gave up a seam pass to the back door, and then you, he gives up one wraparound goal. And it's like, I mean, yeah, it would have been great. The Avs needed him to make those saves, but well, and he made plenty of big saves in that game because they were giving up like the third period. It's a one goal game. And it was a disaster. I mean, they were right. getting shelled and he was keeping them in it because they were turning the puck over and giving up scoring chance after scoring chance after scoring chance. And then the one that finally goes in, like he plays it poorly and it finally goes in and it's like, bro, oh, Francis is better. And it's just like, ah, dude, like, he kept them relevant in that game for so long. And then it finally, he just finally couldn't do it anymore. Yep. I, I'm a long way off from saying Drew Bauer is the problem. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And like, you want to say that Francois is playing better right now? Sure. That's fine. But Francois also got to play against like a not very good New Jersey team. And like, hey, the the Avs didn't play particularly well, and Francois was nice in that game. He, he did very well for himself, but like that was not a good Devils team. The Flyers was they they were good. And he was great in that game. He also gave up five goals to the Flames a week ago. Right. It's when you're looking at his numbers, you have to take them in the context of the sample size that a backup goalie gets. He's played games against teams like the Devils. He's played teams like Tampa Bay, which is a good team, but the Avs gave him seven goals. Right. So so you look at just the record and it's like, come on. Yeah. Very early for me to even have this conversation about Francois even thinking about him being the starter. Certainly, right. if Gruby goes out and plays four games in a row where he's getting just shelled and it does not look good, then you can talk about it. But one game against the top team in the league where the defense hangs him out to dry, not yet. Yeah, I 
especially like the deeper you start to go back into this and like you look at Franco's record and it's like, oh, well, he's clearly the better goaltender. It's like, eh. is he though? Yeah, I mean, Grubauer got them through how much of that Boston game? Like they were awesome in that game and that's not I wouldn't I wouldn't put them like that's not a feather in either cap, right? Like sure. Grubauer only played a couple of minutes in that game um and and gave up the only goal, but Franco's faced like no workload that day. The the Avs were dominant defensively that day. And so it's like okay, like you know, and Grubauer was spotted or Francois was spotted a three, nothing lead in Montreal. Uh, Grubauer won the game in Toronto. Like I just don't, I don't think we're there. I, I just don't not yet. Yeah. I, I don't think we are either, but where we are is at the end of this second period of the podcast. And the Evs didn't win this game, which really is unfortunate for me because I wanted to use a rubber match transition into that January game against the Blues. But now I can't. And I just have to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. Denver Rubber Company is one of the most reliable local partners for your long-term projects here in Denver. They've been so since 1972, providing the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, and custom contract manufacturing. With snow pretty regularly on the ground these days, they can also help you out with that as they can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber, and the blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet whatever your exact specifications might be. These guys have made all sorts of awesome materials if you're looking for something else, ranging from what goes inside of wind turbine blades to machines that cut pieces that go in bulletproof vests. They're pretty much capable of fabricating anything under the sun at this point you can purchase for yourself and of course buy in bulk at a fantastic rate and they're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at dnvr so be sure to call them today you can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm still Rudo. He's still AJ. Another positive thing I want to take out of this game. The Avs power play, at least PP1, looked way, way better against this Blues team. Do you? Yeah, it did, man. I mean, both power plays. I mean, PP2 just didn't play that much, but yeah. No, I mean, I mean, the, the, different power play opportunities they got. They created, oh, they, they, they yeah. scored. And then the other one, they, I thought they did a good job of creating chances. I thought that it was a dangerous unit, man. They were good tonight. It was, it was nice to see. And Oh my God, that goal from Rantanen is so nasty. That the shooting it across the goalie like that is just filth, man. And I mean, he goes top cheddar, of course, because he can, he's insane and it's a one timer, but you know, it's just awesome to watch. Yeah, it was it was so impressive. And it was just like it was such a, a Miko thing to do. Just just this crazy rocket. Right. It's it's incredible how he makes you forget that he even has that thing in the bag because he'll sit over there and, and just be the distributor for a whole game. And then the blues will lay off him on the power play and worry about McKinnon and these other guys. And then all of a sudden it's in the back of your net. Cause he has a bomb hidden underneath it. Uh, impressive stuff. No doubt about that. I would say yeah. um, credit to both Kadri and McKinnon on that play as well. I had a lot of fun breaking that one down in my video because the abs moved extremely effectively on that power play leading up to that goal. It was a lot of fun to watch a play that plays out like that, where you have players swapping positions and players consistently moving, creating chaos for the defense. Yeah. And Sammy G looked awesome. Yeah. Finally looked comfortable there. Just took a, a shot to the head to get it sorted out for him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, that's the, what was that like a minute into the game? Yeah, I think just about a minute in, the puck rides up and hits him right in the nose. All I know is that Mark Rycroft during intermission kept saying his teeth are jiggling. 
<laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> like, what a, what a strange thing to notice. But anyway, it was pretty entertaining. Nonetheless, <laughs> I, I got a good laugh out of that part of it. And like G ended up being okay. So, it, you know. Right. That's all the important all part. Well here. Yeah. yeah. You bring up a good point that G looks good on that power play. Have the Avs made that adjustment a little bit then? Because he didn't really shoot the puck very much on the power play and it still looked strong. So they have, they kind of accepted and realized that, look, if we're going to run Gerard up there, he has to be the distributor. Yeah. They 100% I think have realized by now that if they're going to have Gerard at the top of that power play, they have to, they have to run it down low as much as they run it up high. That yeah. He just has to be another cog and less of a quarterback than, and, and more of just one of the guys out there. Um, with when McCarr comes back, they'll run. They'll go back to running it out high through him, and he'll go. It'll go back to being an actual. Uh, it'll go back to being an actual like power play quarterback, like right. we're, like a traditional like we're accustomed to. They're running the wildcat right now. I got it. Yeah, and right now they're they're playing down low a little bit more, and you know we're seeing them have that success. They. They had multiple opportunities out from behind the net to the guy standing in front tonight because of that adjustment and because teams are expecting them to play out high through the defensemen and try and get the defensemen to shoot a bunch. That's where they're creating a little bit of uh, success that they weren't able to before is because teams are giving that to them, not expecting it to come. Got to keep teams honest, man. Well, and like these are small adjustments that should be happening anyway, but I think this is the, this is an adjustment that's happening because of the personnel because nobody on earth is afraid of Sam Gerard shooting the puck pretty much that's just a fact at this point yeah it's you know it's it's just reality you can't make an argument that he is a threatening presence to shoot right now certainly not from the point he did hit a post walking yeah, in yeah right he hit the post and he was what 4 feet away from the goaltender like Okay, that's great. Let's see a lot more of that. Yeah, exactly. So that's if the abs are going to move into that realm of wanting Gerard to shoot, understand that it needs to come off of him skating in like that. Yeah. And unfortunately, moving to the other side of special teams, that PK was just brutal. I don't even know what to say about it. I put this in my takeaways tonight. I don't know what to say about it. I. I struggle with it too because they just did everything wrong. There isn't some there isn't like oh this was a good thing they they did but these other things went wrong. It was just all bad. I I mean they total total breakdown. I don't understand it at all. Yep. I don't I they don't even look good. It's problematic. You you can look at all oh, the Avs outplayed the Blues for the most of this game. You can look at oh, the Avs just couldn't generate the offense in the third period. If their PK is even competent, you're probably looking at a tie game going into the third at worst. And it just crushed them top to bottom. Yep. So, and you're not wrong when you say, well, you solved that problem by not taking a penalty in the first place. But I mean, not not like a realistic long-term thing. No, no. You know, like you're you're take you're gonna take penalties. Guys are gonna do things, and like the the Kadri penalty, like that's not on purpose. That's not him. I, I, the guy's falling down. Yep. Like, I it's a penalty, and I'm not. I'm not, in no way arguing that it shouldn't be or anything like that. Um, that's a that's an easy. You have to call that. That's in the rules. You just can't do that. You have to control your stick. But like, that's that's one where you're like. Have you ever been on ice before? Like you're going <laughs> to fall down and the you know your stick is going to do something. You know, it you, it's not consciously running through your mind, "Oh man, keep the stick down. Keep the stick down." You fall down and you're like, "Oh my god, this is going to hurt." Like like my ass is about to go through my forehead. I'm not feeling excited <laughs> about this. You know, you're not like, oh, got to keep the stick down. Like things are about to happen to your body that are out of your control at that point because you you have fallen down. And that's, you know, I just, yeah, I'm. 
it's an unfortunate time to fall down and lose control of your stick, though. It's it sucks, man. Like it it does. It sucks. It's it sucks that that it it had to go like that. And yet, that is the way that it went. It happens, and. You know, the Avs are a couple of inches away from this being a totally different game, too. They hit the post twice. It could have been easily 3-1 by the time Kadri scored his goal. Could have easily been 3 nothing Blues as well, though. So, up until the total collapse at the end of the second period, this really was a fairly good game. And that's I'm trying to focus on the positives here, because... It's too easy sometimes to go down the rabbit hole of, oh, the Avs just got smoked and, oh, they're not ready to contend and yada, 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 yada. But really, when you start to break down a lot of the underlying things that aren't the end of the second period and that third period, you can take a lot of good out of this. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. The world's not over yet. Definitely not even close to over. This team is still twenty-one and nine. So, yeah, and the season has the season has a lot of legs left, a lot of twists and turns, and a lot of losses ahead. No doubt about it. You just hope it's more like you know, like fifteen losses, maybe <laughs> not like thirty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we are. Oh, it's, tonight was game thirty-three, so. There are no longer 50 games left. There are now 49. Yep. You win 25 of those. You're probably okay. Uh, The Avs really should be a team looking to win more like 35 of those, though. Yeah, I mean, they're at 45 points now. Um, So, you know, are we talking like make the postseason or win the division here? Make the if we're talking twenty five, that's make the postseason. Yeah, so we're talking make the postseason. You know they need another fifty points. Yep, probably we'll we'll get them in. You know fifty two to be on the safe side because if at that point if you're missing the postseason at ninety seven points, something crazy has happened. I mean, there's no reason the Avs shouldn't hit a hundred points this season. If we're being honest, yeah, I mean they've put themselves in that kind of position, honestly. Yeah, so. Where that's that's a realistic conversation. It's just, is it more like they end up with like 98, 100, or do they end up with like 110? Yeah, if they're in the 110 conversation, that's when you're talking about potentially winning the division. Yeah. Random conspiracy theory that just came to me. Is it against the laws of the universe for Jared Bednar to be above 500? <laughs> right. Yeah, it kind of it has those that that feeling sometimes, right? He's I mean, it's been a long road back for him to even hit 500 again and then they run into the blues and this happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I we'll see, right? Definitely. If they drop four of their next five or something like that, it might be something to it, but back in the realm of reality, Final thoughts about this game, expectations for the Avs coming up, anything you got? It sucked. Um, it was disappointing because you wanted to be, you want, you want them to be ready. And this would have been a big step forward towards they're ready for the big kids, right? They're, they're ready for the real stuff. But I think that it also, you know, even if they win on January 2nd, it's because there are no games left in St. Louis this season. It's well, what if we play them in the playoffs? I also think that the, there's a, tonight was a good reminder that even though things did not, uh, things, things went poorly and not every night is going to go that way. There's room for this improvement on this team and any of this, the abs don't need to go out and get anyone to get any better. Tonight should have been a culture shock for you because you want to make the argument that you don't need to go out and get Taylor Hall because he's too expensive. I'm down for that argument. The abs don't need to go out and get anybody. I think tonight was probably not a good night for you for that, for that opinion. Um, 
just because I think that there's there's still significant room for improvement. The night from Burakovsky was really disappointing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just don't think that Yunus Donskoy is is a long term top six forward. His his off games are just so off that I struggle with him with Donskoy. Where his he's just a total ghost in games where he is not like really 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 good, and then he'll have a three point night, and I'm like, well, I'm a moron. So, I think that disappointing, but there's still so much season left. This is still a really good team, and, you know, I want to see how they respond. We've talked about these these aren't the same old abs. These guys punch back. Let's, yeah, let's see them punch back. It's a loss. It sucks. Don't dwell on it. Keep getting better. Definitely. All right, that's all I got. So that's the end of this one. As always, thank you for listening, and you will hear from us again tomorrow. If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helpful helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.